Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. July 1st, 1987, the world's first 24-hour all-sports station hits the air. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the first broadcast of WFAN. Sports Radio, 1050 WFAN. October 7th, 1988, WFAN moves down the dial. Three, two, one. On Sports Radio 66, November 2nd, 2012 was another WFAN milestone. And in 2020, we're on your smart speakers, mobile devices, tablets, and computers at WFAN.com. The Fan, WFAN, and WFAN-FM, New York, a radio.com sports station. And good afternoon at 6 o'clock. This is John Benko on the 33rd birthday of America's first all-sports radio station, WFAN. Here's what's going on. The NFL expecting to make the official announcement tomorrow. Preseason reduced, cut in half. Four games to two. Weeks one and four expected to be dropped by the league. Baseball Yanks and Mets both reporting once again, more than three months after spring training was halted due to COVID-19. Two teams will begin workouts later this week. 60-game season to start on July 23rd or the 24th. That's general manager Sean Marchese says they're committed to playing in Orlando. Team is without roughly a half dozen players, though, to do the injury. And, of course, the virus, DeAndre Jordan, opting out after testing positive recently, and it became official today. UConn returns to the Big East. And just like this year, it was a Wednesday back in 1987, 3 p.m., Dan Taylor playing Ray Price for the good times as the last country song on WHN, 10.50 a.m. Uh, there was a brief pause. Then Merle Harmon described the final moments of the Jets' Super Bowl three win over the Colts. Susan Waldman, the first update, and WFAN was on the air. In the middle of that update, a short premise of the radio station was voiced by Chuck Riley. There was news with Asa Dorfman. Traffic 
with Dennis O'Mara, but because of a technical glitch, he did not get on the air. Jim Lampley, the first host for Pete Franklin. July 1st, 1987, not only the birth of WFAN, but to me, the birth of sports talk radio on a full-time basis as we know it today. This report brought to you by Napa Auto Parts. Whether you stop by a locally owned Napa Auto Parts, Napa Auto Care, or visit Napa online, if you need help with your ride, you can count on Napa know-how. And WFA reminds you that the primary election in New Jersey has been rescheduled to Tuesday, July 7th, including primaries for President, U.S. Senate, U.S. House of Representatives. All registered Democratic and Republican Republican voters will automatically receive a postage-paid vote-by-mail ballot. All unaffiliated and inactive voters will automatically receive a postage-paid vote-by-mail ballot application. 75 degrees, skies are cloudy, there is rain in the area, and that's what's happening. This is John Midco on Sports Radio 1019 FM and Sports Radio 66 WFAN. Listen to the fan anytime, anywhere. Download the Radio.com app on your smart speaker and simply say, play WFAN. All right, we come to you on this July 1st, uh, the 33rd anniversary of The Fan, brought to you, of course, by Casamigos Tequila, brought to you by those who drink it as we take you right up until 7 o'clock. And you heard the update with the McMahon, who was nice enough to uh, come back and uh, visit us and uh, uh, give us what was probably, I don't know what number update, Mink probably even knows what number update that was in his uh, legendary career of updates. But Mink, welcome. How are you? I'm doing just fine, Mike. Great to be right. back and uh, great to be talking to the folks. How is uh, how are your days these days? How's your new uh, new life? I will I will say this: uh, I, I behave. I mean, I, I wear the face mask everywhere I go. Right. Uh, I don't journey out that much. I go to you know the uh, the food stores, of course, and I do a lot of walking. And uh, I got a stationary bicycle. And we'll join a gym whenever that happens. And, um, you know, so, you know, from that standpoint, I'm doing all that uh, they tell me to do, you know, as far as taking care of myself. So how long, when was your last uh, regular day? How long have you been gone? Since right around when this thing started, right? Wasn't it right around March? Uh, April 3rd was the April last April 3rd. Okay, so since April 3rd, you've had a couple of months to get back into your, to get into your new life now. So are you enjoying things? Yeah, I mean, I mean there's, you know, an adjustment. I mean, there were things that I, you know, would thought uh, that I wanted to do, uh, like being an assistant coach on a track team for the high school team and, you know, helping out in athletics and, and doing things that way. But, you know, of course, there's no athletics. So I wasn't able to do anything like that. Uh, so, you know, obviously it's been an a, adjustment, of course, you know, not working is, is one thing. And, and the second thing, uh, the absence of sports. Well, you wouldn't have been working anyway. You know, you wouldn't have been home anyway. You know that well, you would have been maybe doing updates from home, but you would have been home anyway. You wouldn't have been in the station anyway, because you would have been, uh, considering what's gone on in your life in recent years with your medical history, you would have been home anyway. 
yeah, I would have been home, and uh, the commute would have been uh, up the stairs. That's it, <laughs> up, up the stairs. So it's good to hear from you, Mink. You got any big plans this summer? Anything special going on? Is your wife sick of you already? What's, what, what about that? Is she, is she good? Everything <laughs> oh, good? I don't know. Everything is good. And, uh, you know, we, usually we go to Vermont at the end of August, uh, you know, whether that happens or not. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see. Uh, everything is, you know, to be determined. How do you look in that face mask? That must be a scary thought. Uh, you know, listen, imagine, what, what, do you have, uh, like, wh- which one of these masks are you wearing? Are you wearing, like, one of these kind of bland ones, or are you wearing some elaborate thing? No. Uh, me? Elaborate? No, just the regular uh, blue paper ones. All right. Well, listen, good, good to hear from you, Mink, as always. I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad you're doing well. Yeah, thanks, Mike, and and you're doing well, and and uh, the station is you know as well, and uh, you know I miss sports, and uh, hopefully they come back um, soon. All right, Mink, good to talk to you, kid. Yep, thanks. All Mike. right, there's John Minko on this thirty uh, third anniversary, and I'm sure I haven't heard a lot of the station today. Um, I was in and out of the car because I was playing golf. I did hear, uh, I heard them say that Susan Waldman was on. Obviously, Susan was the first voice ever on FAN, as everyone knows, back on uh, this date, back in 1987. Um, I'm sure there's been other hosts on and other people on who have been part of the station, and they have regaled you with all the different stuff that went on at the beginning of the station. And listen, it's, it's, it's a long time. It's 33 years. The station's gone through a lot of different things. It's gone through its own trials and tribulations. You know, the station almost almost didn't make it through its second year. It wasn't doing well. Uh, obviously, when they decided, they, when they had to sail and they decided to purchase 66 on the dial, uh, they slid the station down from 1050 to 660 and inherited the uh, curmudgeonly Don Imus, which made an enormous difference. Uh, out of that offshoot came uh, Mike and the Mad Dog. Mike and the Mad Dog, Imus came to the station in the fall of 88. Mike and the Mad Dog came to the station on September 5th, 1989. Uh, and then a station that most people in the industry said had no chance of ever succeeding. That there was no way you could do sports 24 hours a day. And we didn't. We didn't do pure sports 24 hours a day because Imus didn't do pure sports, but he did delve into sports on a daily basis. And he had sports people on his show, including myself and Dog and different people uh, through Mike Breen, Don Crick. He go through the list through the years. Uh, so he always made sports a big part of the show. And then politics, obviously, and his rebirth, a big part of the show. Uh, but remember, once they had the lineup in place, I miss in the morning, Mike in the Meridog in the afternoon. The station not only succeeded, it became one of the most successful stations in radio history. It was the number one billing station in the country more than once. It was always in the top rankings of the, of the top billing stations in America. Uh, it not only uh, became a successful entity in its own right, it became a national property. I mean, everyone... Coast to coast, no, new WFAN. Everywhere you went, everybody knew WFAN. And WFAN not only saved the AM dial, WFAN launched the format. There are now probably somewhere around 2,000 all sports stations of a different sizes, some you know, smaller than others. In most big cities, there's at least two, sometimes three. 
In some cities, there's even four. Remember, there was not one. This was the only one in America. There are now some cities, four, in the country. So it has created, it really changed an industry. So it changed and made Sports Talk a viable format. And then Mike and the Mad Dog, which I was obviously fortunate to be a part of for 20 years, changed the way Sports Talk was done in America. And uh, that obviously had a very big impact on everything that happened sports-wise in this country. So FAN has a place in the story of sports in the last 20 years, 30 years, uh, any way you look at it, FAN is part of the story. And when anyone looks at how sports in media went through the century, when they tell that story and go back from the early 1900s and go through when television took over and then all the changes that have happened in the last 20 years with social media and everything else, FAN... And fortunately, Mike and the Mayor will have a part of that story. Uh, we are part now of the history of sports media in this country. And, you know, that's what's made FAN so special. And that's why no matter what your relationship is to the station, whether it's one that was, you know, as large as Imus's or mine or dogs or a different one, and obviously there's been people who have had, you know, ones for very long times, like Steve Summers uh, and John Minko, and some that have come and gone or some that have been there the last half of the 33 years or the last 10 years of the 33 years, and there'll be many more coming. You're seeing the changing face of FAN right now. FAN's gone through, obviously, a lot of changes. In recent years, it started when Imus left and then Dog left. And obviously, uh, after that, we had the changes we've had in the format. And now with me just being, you know, a, a someone who's on for a small part of the day, you now have more changes. And that's what, hey, listen, that's what happens in time. You know, no lineup stays the same. FAN's a team. FAN is a sports entity, and that's how it's going to be viewed, and that's how it should be viewed. The lineup's going to change. The personalities are going to come and go. And the station's going to go through good times and bad times. Now, it has been on top for a very long time. We had an incredible run. We had an incredible reign. And there's going to be good years and bad years, just like with every team there's going to be good years and bad years. But FAN will be around for a very, very long time. I don't think there's any question about that. And it's seen a lot of different things go on. I mean, you know, we went through the baseball strike, which was very hard for the station to take. We went through all the different things that have happened in our culture, whether it's 9-11 or whether it's what we've gone through now with the pandemic, which has obviously been very, very hard on all sports entities. Still is. We still don't have sports. I mean, look at, look at what we're, we're thinking about here. We're now months into a time where we have not had games or team sports now since early March as we hit the 4th of July. That's almost inconceivable for something for sports stations to deal with. And it's been hard for sports stations and sports networks across the country to deal with that. There's no question. 
They've taken a hit, but so have other businesses too. And hey, they'll bounce back just as strongly as they were before it came. There's no question. I'm not saying it's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know where the pandemic is going. I don't know when we're going to conquer this virus. But when it does happen and when sports gets back to normal and we have fans in the stands and we have people at the games and we have uh, schedules back to some level of normalcy, then sports talk will have the same import that it has had over the last 33 years. Here's the thing that you know about FAN. Everyone no matter what their role has been at this station, whether they came through as an intern, whether they came through and did a small time as an update person, whether they uh, stayed a while or came back or were part-time hosts or weekend hosts, whatever it is, everyone is proud to be a part of the station and to say they've been part of this very special station. That's what happens when something is unique and and FAN has been remarkably unique and he's gone now and it probably hasn't been you know talked about enough since he's gone but uh I was thinking about that today this doesn't happen without dynamics the station doesn't make it the business does not succeed it does not last without Imus because what IMS allowed the station to do, it allowed it to get its bearings. It allowed it to stop the bleeding because it was losing a tremendous amount of money. The early way they did shows made no sense. Bringing people in from out of town to do shows made no sense. It was not the way this was going to work. This was going to work when it became about New York and became about local sports. And that's what FAN's always been. It's been live and it's been local. Now, when local's New York, it has a national feel anyway and it has a national impact because that's what comes with being in New York. We've always had that. When we've gone to Super Bowls, when we've gone to events, FAN is treated, has always been treated and Dog and I were always treated the same way ESPN was treated, the same way any national entity was treated. We were treated the same way any national sportscaster was treated, with the same amount of respect and with the same amount of attention paid to what we did. So FAN was not like a local station. It was like a national entity, but it was, in essence, a local station. And I must gave it a chance to find its direction and find its equilibrium from, and balance from a uh, financial standpoint, which was critical in those early years because it was bleeding money. And then out of that, within a year, came Mike and the Mad Dog. And as they say, the rest is history. And since then, there's never been any question about whether FAN was going to succeed or whether it was going to be anything but what it was, which was uh, an incredible success story in every way that changed the AM dial, which changed the way sports and media worked in this country. There's no question. Because we got an immediacy. See, it wasn't just about our talk shows. It was about the way we covered teams. It was about the reporters Nobody beat 
nobody beat FAN to a Yankee story. Susan beat them every time. And she could get it on the air within five minutes. She had, if not as good, maybe better contacts than anybody else. And she could pick up the phone and get the story on live 24 hours a day. That gave... That sense of immediacy gave FAN such an advantage that it doesn't have anymore because of social media, but it had for a very long time. And that part of it, too, was a very big part. It wasn't just personalities and talk shows. Yes, that's the biggest part, no question. You're going to live and die by your shows and by your personalities because radio is about personalities. And that's why it's the best job. You know, it's, to me, it's always been the best job for this reason. I don't have to wonder about why the show is successful or if it's not successful. Why? It's my show. The people are coming to hear me. Whether they, if they don't come, that's my problem. If they do come, that's my success. So I always liked the idea that we were responsible for our own achievement. When you broadcast a game, it's about the team. If the team wins, people are going to be there, no matter who does the games. But here it's different. But FAN was more than just its personalities and more than just a bunch of talk shows. It was an institution. It was about having a sense of community and having a sense of power and, and control and a voice in the city that was enormous. People tuned in to be heard, but they also tuned in to be informed and to be entertained and where they went when they were happy and where they went when they were upset with their teams and where they went when they were upset with what was going on in the world. There's a sense of community that has come from FAN that is enormous. And as someone who has obviously been a part of it for so many years you know it's it's been really such an enormous part of my existence other than my family other than my wife and my kids it's been the biggest part of my existence for a very very long time that won't be the case for that much longer but hey that's that's life i've had an incredible run and i'm very proud of what we built and i want to see it stay that way and thrive for many many years to come because that's how you are about your team. When you move on and it's not, and you're not in the lineup anymore, and you're not hit and clean up anymore, you know what? You still want to see the team do well. It's your team. So that's why we only hope good things for everybody in the years to come. And like I said, FAM will not only survive, it'll thrive. Go through some tough times? Sure, why not? Everyone's going through a tough time right now. And it's funny. Because it was such a unique idea. I'm not going to spend a lot of time going through the history of FN because I know you've all heard it a million times. But it's funny. I get asked this all the time. I was listening. I was working at CBS, obviously, as I think folks know. And I had a good job there. And I had done a book with Pete Axel that John Walsh from ESPN had edited and he put a good book together and uh, Pete obviously was the big name. I was the secondary guy on the book because Pete at the time was the, about the biggest sports writer in the country. 
And he was always very good to me. And John, who I had done work for for Inside Sports, said, hey, I'm gonna, I want to do this book for Random House, Inside Football. You'll do the college stuff and the side stuff, and Pete will do the NFL stuff. Okay. And here's the one thing, though. You have to go do all the interviews because Pete's not doing them. That's part of your deal. Okay. You're getting paid well, but you have to go do all the interviews to promote the book. Pete's not doing that. I said, fine. I understood that. Pete was Pete Axon at the time. He was on NBC. He was, it was enormous. So I said, no problem. So I went and did the interviews. And I'd go do these talk shows now when I was on the road with CBS. I would go into the local stations there and do it that fit my schedule. And I would do them wherever I could fit them in, on the phone or live or whatever. And I came away with the idea. I said, you know, I've done some of these shows now. And I really think I could do that better than some of these hosts, which obviously was me being, you know, my typical cocky self. And um, Mossberger said, you know, I could see you doing that. I used to do it. He said, I could see you doing that. I remember being on a plane talking about it. And then I was listening. I was traveling during the classic Game 6 Mets-Astros in 86. And I was rushing to get home and see the end of the game. I had to leave where I was. And it was the fall 86, obviously, the classic Game 6. And when they went to commercial, they said, Sports Radio 1050 WHN. And I'm like... What is sports radio? So I looked into it. I said, what is sports radio? I kept hearing the bump. What is sports radio? And I called them up and they said, listen, on July 1st, we're starting the first all sports station in the United States. We're going to start at a 24-hour. And I said, wow, this is unbelievable. I said, can I send in a, you know, application? And they said, yeah, absolutely. So I went in for an interview about April. They were coming on July 1st. Maybe it was March, March, April. Drove into Astoria. I didn't know that part of Astoria at all. Drove in. remember going under the L the first time, getting lost. And went to the station. And they had had my resume. And they said, you know, to be quite honest, you know, you have such a good job at, the C- at CBS Television Network. What are you trying to be in radio for? You know, we can't pay you the kind of money you're making, and you're overqualified to be a radio producer. I mean, you're working with Brent Musburger, with you know, the NFL Today. You're doing all. And I said, no, I want to be on the air. I, I apologize. I didn't mean I wanted to be a behind the scenes or be a production person. I want to be on the air. And they said, no chance. You'll never get on the air here. And I said, why not? They said, well, we're bringing in people from around the country who are going to be the biggest hosts in the country. You ever hear of Pete Franklin? I said, yeah, I've heard of him. And they said, we're bringing in the biggest people in the country. You have no chance of doing that. I said, well, how about you give me a chance? And they said no. And I kept asking them. They said no. And finally, I was working with Jim Nance at CBS, and I told him about it. And he had worked with Luke Griffin, who was one of the producers who was at the time one of the coordinating producers and in charge of staffing the shows here at FAN, one of the first guys. And there was a Cleveland group for the most part, uh, Pruder and uh, John Shannon, and, and uh, who had been more of a network guy. And then uh, it was more of a network field, too. And Luke Griffin, who had done uh, Mutual with Jim Nance uh, and New Jim. And Jim contacted him and said, Luke, you got to give him a chance. So they brought me in and gave me a weekend show with Dan Lovett on the weekend. And then they gave me a Sunday show 
So I had a Saturday morning show and a Sunday morning show. And this was about three weeks after the station opened. And then they called me and asked me to fill in. And obviously, as some of you may remember, my first fill-in was by myself was for Pete Franklin on Thanksgiving Day. It was my first ever solo fill-in day as a uh, talk show host. Drive time, Thanksgiving Day, which I don't recommend anybody for a first show because it's the middle of the day. We're up against football. We didn't have football. Football is on the radio against us, and it's obviously on TV, and everyone's eating in the afternoon, and it's not a good time to be on. So that was a tough first show, but... Um, that was the re- the rest, as they say, is history. So uh, all these years later, those guys, um, many of them who were not there, did not survive the first go-round of the station, where the transformation of the station. All those guys were gone very quickly because the station, as we said, was failing miserably. And then when Imus came, things changed, and then personnel changed and all those people were gone very quickly there was a purge as you know and 26 people got fired and like i said the station almost didn't survive very very early it could have easily gone out of business and i think it would have gone out of business if not for the emergence of imus coming to the station so it's a funny thing how how things work out and how your life works out and then i went into the imus show and then this kid with a you know Crazy voice went into the IMA show, and we wound up paired together, and we know where that led. So that's a little of what we uh, think about on this day. And I'm sure tonight and the next couple of days, I know that uh, Mark told me they have a bunch of vignettes planned, and they have a bunch of old flashbacks planned and different stuff they're going to do over the holiday weekend uh, to, you know, remember some of the shows and different things. So you'll hear some of the old hosts and have some of the old hosts on and everything. So you'll get a chance to reminisce, and why not? Because uh, it's a good time to do that. You know, it's not like you're missing any local sports right now. We're missing anything going on. So it's a good time to take a step back and look back at the history of this amazing station. It is that. It is an iconic station. And... Like an iconic station, it has fortunately uh, produced a lot, of, a lot of stars and a lot of broadcasters and a lot of successful people out of this station, and I hope that continues for a very, very long time. So there's a lot to be proud of, and I think everyone who's a part of it is very proud of everything that has happened uh, over the past 33 years. Back after this. Boomer and Geo wake you up every morning from 6 to 10 on The Fan. You will never see a football. I actually advised, I talked to uh, the, the manufacturers of the football, told them to shut it down, stop making footballs, because you will never play football ever again. Uh, it's, it's inconceivable uh, that football will be played on this planet, maybe another planet, if we get everybody together and then we, we get Elon Musk to shoot us to Saturn... We may be able to, if we put a biodome over Saturn and the rings, we may be, now we'll shoot a couple people up there first in a trial run, and maybe by the start of the new year, we may be able to have football on Saturn. Whether you're home, on the road, or at work, listen to Boomerang Geo on your smart speaker, mobile device, computer, or on the radio at Sports Radio 1019 FM and Sports Radio 66 WFAN and WFAN FM, New York. I thought promos were supposed to be funny. I mean, geez, that was painful. Um, 
Man, I, I was waiting for a punchline in there somewhere. Please. Uh, Tim and Bethel, what's up, Tim? Oh, I'll make it short and sweet. When is the autobiography coming out? You have so many, you have so much richness in that. Uh, I'm not writing any book. You see, here's the thing about writing a book. Really, I'm serious. What they want is they want you to rip other people. They want you to tell oh, stories yeah. that aren't for publication. And if you don't do that, if you don't, t- and, and, and anyone who's had a sports life, can write a book. But you know what? You have to give up your friends to write a book. I'm not doing that. I mean, I'm not I'm not telling the stories, you know, I tell them to people, you know, in a room somewhere, you know, if it's off the record, but I wouldn't tell them, you know, and that would go for say boomer or that would go for anybody who's had a, you know, a long sports life. You know, you can, that's what they want. You have to give up you know, you have to make it sensational, and that's why it doesn't work. It it does not work. Uh, you know, so from that standpoint, I think it has to. It has to. And most people, when they do it, they're real old, so that no one gets mad at them. And that's because a lot of the people are gone that they're writing about. I mean, that's basically it. You know, uh, you, you know, some of the stories you could tell that are really good stories, or they're very interesting stories. But they want the ones that are the real. You know, what was really going on between, you know, Jimmy the Greek and Phyllis when they were on the set and what was really going on here and there, what was really going on with this one or that one or, you know, what really happened with Mike and the Mad Dog and, and, and all that stuff. And, you know, that's that's better off left, uh, you know, wherever it, it was lived, you know, and it's been a great Great run, but that that's that's not what you want to do. It really isn't, unfortunately. I've come close a couple of times to doing a book, but it won't be one of those uh, ones that tells stories about other people because that's that, that's that's selling your friends out. That's that that doesn't work. Thanks for the call, John and West Milford. What's up, John? Hey, Mike. Congratulations on thirty years. Well, thank you, and uh, congratulations to all the people who have worked at the station. This is about everybody. This isn't about me. It's about everybody. Yeah, you were mentioning Ahmed. I mean, I remember listening to Hamish back in the day with Moby Worm and Billy Shaw Hargis and everything. And then I would, in the afternoon, coming home from work, I was in construction. Sometimes you had that idiot stern on, but he wasn't my speed. Then I found you and Mad Dog. Listen, Howard. Howard's very talented too. I mean, let, let, let's be honest. He's extremely talented, and obviously, he doesn't need me to, you know, to sing his his praises. But here's the thing about Imus that we learned. Not only did Imus save the station from a standpoint of financial and and make it a thriving business versus a business that was bleeding money. But here's what Imus brought to the station. He taught us all how to be professional about radio. Imus got off the air at 10 o'clock and went to work for four hours on the next day's show. He had the writers in. They wrote. He went over the scripts. He went in and voiced the scripts. When he was happy with everything, he went home. That was usually around 2 o'clock in the afternoon every day. So I must said, get there at 4.30. He doesn't get there much before the show starts, but he, did not, he wasn't out the door at 10 o'clock and then say, okay, I'll do the next day's show on the fly. That's not the kind of show they did. They had great talent on that show, Larry Kenny, Rob Bartlett, the writing of Charles McCord, okay? And Imus, who, the best thing about Imus was this. This is the best thing about him. Number one, he knew how to move a show, and the tempo of a show is incredibly important. 
And I sat there and made sure I learned that from him. But number two, he was always a great audience. He would laugh. If you said something and came on the show and were funny, he would laugh. And your host has got to laugh when someone comes on the show if they're trying to be funny because otherwise the audience isn't going to laugh if the host doesn't laugh. And he would laugh, and that's very important to making that stuff work. And, and more than anything, it wasn't like, hey, you walk in the door and you just throw it against the wall. It was that we work at what we're doing. And I think he brought that to the station, and I think everyone got in line about that, including what we did. And, you know, Dog and I always had, you know, we, we always made sure that we were very particular about the people who worked for us and what they had to do. They had roles, and they had, they had jobs, and they had things they had to do. And, listen, we had a lot of people come through who were going to be broadcasters, and who are aspiring broadcasters, but you know we we gave them jobs to do, and we were very demanding about what we wanted i mean that 's what we were very serious about what we were doing. We were running a business and and that 's what we really learned from Don jackson bucks county what 's up jack Hi Mike congratulations to you and the station I'm well thank you thank you um, thank you I remember listening uh back in the late eighties eighty nine I think when you predicted that Seton Hall would win the National Basketball Championship. Right. And I, as I recall, I, I don't know if he was kidding or not, but I miss, I miss used to uh, laugh at that all the time, and he kind of challenged well, me. Well, he bet me a Porsche is what happened, and it became a national story. Uh, and, and you know, as I said, people said, did you get the Porsche? And I said, no, but I got enough out of it that it actually was as if I got three Porsches because I got so much national attention out of that. I mean, Time Magazine wrote about that. I mean, I was going to the arenas during the NCAA tournament, and they were all holding up Porsches in the stands. I mean, uh, it, it became a national story, and we played that out for weeks and weeks, and it, it really helped. It was one of the things that helped launch the station. It was one of the first things that really the – population in New York caught on to. And I was on Imus's show in the morning when that happened. That was pre Mike and the Mad that was right when Mike and the Mad Dog was starting that 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 that, that, that happened. And so it got a tremendous amount of a, a attention and it was very good for the station, very good for uh me, uh and very good for Imus's show. It got everybody a lot of attention, which is what you're looking to do is, you know, we were very good what FAN was very good at, it was very good at having uh, a strong relationship between the morning show and the afternoon show. And we would fight sometimes, but we, would got, we got along and we promoted each other's shows. And number two uh, was the idea that the station got a lot of publicity without having to buy it. We got covered like we were a team. We were, we, were, we were news every day, and that has always been part of FAN, uh, especially for me to be part of the, you know, what, for whatever reason, I've always been a magnet for, you know, for stories, and I've always gotten a lot of attention, and it, it's, you know, you don't have to buy it. You don't have to, you know, pay for publicity. You know, there are people out there who are, who are public people or performers who pay people to get their name in the paper. We never had to do that. We got a name in the paper plenty, that's for sure. Uh, Charlie in Garden City, what's up, Charlie? Mike, thank you so much. Uh, happy early 4th if I don't talk to you. Thank you, Charlie. What's up? 
uh, I know you said in the past, I want to ask you about the NBA, but real quick, I know you said in the past you're not a conspiracy guy with uh, the assassination of President Kennedy, but uh, Gianni Russo, the gentleman who portrayed Carlo in The Godfather, uh, he just did a video interview last week, and he said that uh, this gentleman, Johnny Roselli from Chicago, was in the storm drain. Johnny Roselli was not from Chicago. He's from L.A. Uh, he was Sam, he he was not from Chicago. He was from L.A. As a matter of fact, but he was connected to Sam Giancarlo, who was in Chicago. Sorry, don't don't uh, think I didn't research this. I just messed that up. But yeah, he said that Roselli was in the storm drain, Mike, and uh, it was seemed pretty. Yeah, yeah. Come on, listen. Like I said, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. Uh, there are many conspiracies that you could, you, you could spend. And thanks for the call. You could spend months, months watching shows or looking at books that are going to give you a conspiracy about Kennedy assassination. I don't buy into any of them. I've never researched any of them uh, because there are too many uh, from it being a coup d'etat all the way down the line. Uh, so um, there are many theories. There's as many theories as you can come up with. And uh, that's why I've never, uh, never dealt with it in any way. I wanted to get to a couple of things before I get to the rest of your calls. Number one. NBA cutting their preseason games. No surprise. They would have done that pandemic or no pandemic. They've been dying to cut the preseason games for years. The preseason games have been nothing but a nuisance for them. The networks don't want them. They can't, the fans don't want them. Nobody wants to go to the games, and the networks don't want them. So from that standpoint, and the players don't want to play in them. So the preseason games, they had to go. So that's not a surprise. As you see, I told you from the beginning this social messaging for the NBA players on their jerseys is a problem that will keep on giving. The NBA had better now cancel this. They've now come out with a ruling that you can't put anybody who's deceased's name on the jerseys. Okay? This, will, this is not the first. This is now the third thing that they've had to rule out before we've even started. The NBA should immediately say, this was a bad idea, and we're going to cease it right now because this will be a problem that will keep on giving. It is nothing but a nightmare for the NBA. John in Fairfield, what's up, John? Mike, what's going on? Uh, what's I happened? really like your golf coverage, and I'm happy that you've talked about it more and more as the years have gone on. The yes. only thing, though, that I, I just have a question about, a couple of days ago you said people don't realize that Tiger and Jack were great clutch putters. Mike, they were probably two of the best golfers of all time that's like saying kobe or jordan weren't great clutch shooters and people didn't realize it like what did you mean by that no there are guys there are great players who are erratic putters those guys weren't good putters they were great 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 putters they were they were incredible putters and there are great putters who aren't great players but no it's not obvious it's not obvious it, there are there are plenty of players out there that that have been have won a ton of big tournaments that are that are very erratic putters phil mickelson's a very erratic putter as an example, very erratic putter. There are many top players who are very erratic putters, but Jack and Tiger were golden inside 10 feet when they were in their prime. Golden. And that's what made them great players. Okay, Now, Jack wasn't good at the wedge most of the time because he never had a wedge game. He never had to have a wedge game. So that was the one club that Jack wasn't great with. He was not a great wedge player, as everyone knows, because he was such a great iron player, he didn't have to be a great wedge player. But the, I don't think it's obvious. I think they were, they were special with the putters. They don't have to be special with the putters to be great players. Absolutely not. 
I mean, there have been plenty of great players who weren't special with the putter. So, so I, I, I do disagree. They were that good with the putter, which it should be mentioned. I mean, there have been guys who you think of as legendary putters, like Crenshaw, Billy Casper, great putters. But these guys were deadly putters in their prime. Not every great player was a deadly putter. These guys were deadly putters in their prime. So I, I, uh, and as far as this week's tournament, I'll tell you, um, I'm going to go out on a limb this week. There's not a lot of guys playing this week in the tournament. Ta- a lot of guys are taking this week off in the Rocket Mortgage Classic in Detroit. Now, DeChambeau's playing, and he's a heavy favorite because he's there every week now. And I, I obviously wouldn't be surprised if he's win. I'm not going to take him at 5-1. I'm going to take... And this is the last time I'm going to the well here. I'm going to take Ricky Fowler this week. I just think it's time, and this is a field, that he should be able to get out and dominate. This is not a big-time field. Most of the top players are not in this field this week. There's a couple, like DeChambeau is there. There's a couple of guys there, but not a lot of them. And I just think that this is a week. And Ricky, is, you're getting good odds with him. You're getting 25 to 1. I almost went to him. He would have been my second choice, but I'm going to Fowler. And like I said, the two guys this week who are going to get all the attention are Webb Simpson, who's playing very well, and DeChambeau. They're the two favorites to win this tournament, and rightly so. Webb Simpson's been playing very well. And Webb Simpson, when he gets hot, he has a habit of really, you know, he's a a good front runner. When he gets out out there and runs, he runs pretty good. Uh, DeChambeau is now there every week. Absolutely every week. He needs to win a little more. Now and ever for Fowler to step up and prove that he can still be a top dominant player. I mean, I, I just think this is a week where I'm going to ride him, like I said, at 25 to 1. Back after this. All right, JJ will uh, take you through the evening uh, starting at 7 o'clock. Then I think Steve Summers. And, you know, Steve is a guy that, you know, I've obviously known for uh, and passed. Uh, in the hallway many, many times and chatted with through the years. Steve and I share a very special relationship, and we have, uh, and his contribution to the station should never be forgotten. He has been uh, incredibly popular through the years. Uh, The fans love him. He has been a mainstay, and he has been a very important, very important part of of the station. And uh, sometimes uh, someone like Steve could get lost in the shuffle, and he shouldn't. He really shouldn't. Guys like uh, Steve and uh, Richard Neer, who's been there a very, very long time. Eddie Coleman for what he's accomplished. Minko, uh, Bob Usler. Uh, I don't want to – I can't leave anybody out, so I can't name everybody. But, you know, sometimes a lot of the guys, you know, and it's the way it happens. You know, Imus and uh, yours truly and Dog get a lot of the acclaim a lot of the attention and, and everything, and, and there's nothing wrong with that, but um, obviously. But uh, there's a lot of guys who have uh, been mainstays and who have been a very, very big part of that station for many, many years, uh, and uh, one coming up tonight. I think he's on. Isn't Steve on tonight? Is he on uh, after? G- he's on 11, so that's it. So everyone should uh, tune in. Uh, and congratulate Steve, uh, who has been there from the beginning. And uh, I can tell you, when they uh, tried to make changes through the years, 
uh, there were many times, a lot of us yelled and screamed about Steve. And uh, so uh, I share a very special relationship with Steve, and he deserves uh, a great deal of uh, of credit and uh, should be lauded for what he's uh, meant to the station. He's meant a lot to the station through the years, as has Eddie Coleman and, and the guys I've mentioned and many, many others, So all, to all of them. To everybody who's been a part of it, anyone who's spent a day there or a week there or a year there or 30 years there, uh, I say uh, I hope you're very proud of what's been accomplished uh, and I congratulate you for uh, your contribution to a uh, very, very special station, a unique station. And when you're part of something that's been unique, uh, something that has been special, something that came first, you know, when you're a pioneer – uh, when you do something that hasn't been done before, uh, it's something that can follow you through the years. And uh, FAN is very, very much and very prominent in that role uh, because it did come first. It did blaze a trail, and it did mean a great deal uh, to both radio and the sports in this country uh, and changed things for the better in a, a very, very big way. So that everybody who's been a part of it, like I said, for a day, a week, a month, or a year, or 30 years, uh, I congratulate you for your contributions, and you should be very proud of what we've all been able to accomplish uh, through the years. Casamigos Tequila brings you the program, as always. We thank him for that. Brought to you by those who drink it. JJ's next. We'll see you tomorrow. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 